0: Welcome to the Law of Startups. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Today we're lucky to have on our show Red Rusak. Uh, Red is a uh, community uh, evangelist uh, and uh, does a lot of things in Seattle with all sorts of different groups. uh, Super well-known in the Seattle area. Great to have you on the show, Red. Thanks for being with us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Good morning and happy four twenty
0: happy 420 hey so are so red you're involved in like so many different fun things in seattle what i i don't i actually don't quite know where to start although i am i am like i'm i mean i'd like to hear about your 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 visit to the white house i'd like to hear about that
1: yeah you know it's funny uh i do a lot of things but at the same time i'm very focused on getting every job done well and uh getting to the white house was just uh one of the experiences i was lucky to have last year um I don't know where you want me to start. I mean, is there? A, it sounds like you're alluding to the whole concept yeah. of of uh, my maybe the cannabis piece. Was that is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I'm let's curious let's give
2: <laughs> let's give the listeners a little overview because for people that that don't know, Red Red's kind of a a pretty public figure in the startup space. He's been involved with uh, Startup City. Was the uh, was that uh, kind of the first f- foray into community? Um, I don't know, mm-hmm. development around around the startup space. And and um, Startup City was sold to the to the city, right? Like, did,
1: did the yeah. city of, of Seattle buy it? Yeah, so, so uh, originally called it Startup City because I wanted Seattle to be the startup city, right? <laughs> so we, we had like a commission with, uh, it was Mayor McGinn, and he invited all these different heads of different parts of the community, right? So you had like Rebecca Lovell there, you had Christopher Moore, Andy Sack, uh, you know, Mark from Startup Weekend, everyone was there. It was incredible. And, you know, of course, you had the GeekWire crew there. And we sat down. And the whole time, I just kept pointing to the solution is that we need to call Seattle the Startup City. There is no other city for startups. It's the Startup City. And uh, at a certain point, you know, McGinn looked at me and everyone kind of pointed at me like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is Red. He's the kind of guy who just likes to get shit done. And uh, afterwards, I walked up to him and I'm like, I'm going to start something called Startup City. And, uh, you know, he said, let's see what happens. So a couple weeks later, I kicked it off and realized it didn't have the same branding impact to Startup Seattle. So I actually renamed it Startup Seattle. But um, yeah, it, it was cool because like uh, about two years later, the city of Seattle actually acquired it and um, again kind of kicked off the acquisition and said, let's, let's make this an official economic initiative. So yeah. I think they kind of replaced the whole music and arts uh, active uh, part of the organization and kind of replaced that with the uh, technology startup focused uh, startup seattle part
2: perfect yes yeah, so that's a bit of background i mean so that and that's how i think i got to know you um yep. and uh and so you know red's kind of at the center of things in the startup community but but since then has moved on and he's he's working on a bunch of interesting things well he works at a company called apptenive doing um doing uh like uh, sales and business development right and um mm-hmm. and that's a mobile, mobile enterprise mobile app company mobile mobile um framework and uh, and then also it, it has moved on from sort of the startup Seattle stuff to uh, to he organizes a cannabis tech meetup. Is that right? <laughs> is that the, and that's yeah. that was the 420 reference earlier. Like like Red probably knows more about uh, about marijuana startups than than I don't know. I, I would say anybody in Seattle, but then I mean, what other city is going to compete <laughs> with Seattle? Maybe, maybe between Seattle and Colorado. Like I mean, there's probably not a lot of people that know more about the startup scene around marijuana than red does so it makes him a great great person to talk to Um, thank you yeah so anyway that's more more background on uh, on red so people understand so what was the reason that you went to the white house which one of those three things uh brought you brought you to dc so
1: it it was actually uh new tech seattle seattle tech meetup so uh a guy by the name of mr green brett green and uh he's been myself Yeah, so Brett Brett and I, we started uh, the group together and uh, the White House wanted to create this, essentially this recognition for people around the country that were doing uh, great things uh, to create community around technology. And so they partnered with meetup.com and meetup reached out to us because we were the fastest growing and largest uh, meetup group in the world on meetup.com, right? There was only one others that was bigger than us and that was the New York Tech meetup. But in terms of size and speed, we were at the top of the stack. So they had us come out. But what they didn't know is when they called on me in the live webcast to say, hey, and what meetup do you run? I'm like, well, I do New Tech Seattle, but I also run Cannabis Tech Meetup. And at that point, you could just see, like, the the nerves of the CTO. Like, she's on live webcast. What's she supposed to say? You know? Uh, so I kind of sprung it on them. They did not know I had any involvement in cannabis. So that was uh, – after that, I could tell you my security check was definitely going under review. I can promise you that much.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's great though. That's a that's a. I mean, you gave an honest answer. You're involved in something pretty neat, and uh, you know, good good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that. That's, yeah. that's exactly the right thing to have done. I think in that circumstance.
1: Oh God, it was it was funny because I had like my red sweater on, so classic red, right? Had to make sure everyone knew who I was in the room. After that, I'm pretty sure everyone in the room knew who I was. But uh, I also had, like, my Yarmulke, like, uh, you know, my Jewish skull skullcap sure. on. And yep. so right afterwards, this woman from Yahoo came up, and it's like, okay, a Jew that smokes pot, nothing new. But to be able to say that in the White House, what, you got to tell me, there's a story here. And I was <laughs> lucky enough to actually get a story in uh, Yahoo News about that, right next to, like, announcing Hillary Clinton for, for candidacy. So it was, like, really weird. <laughs> being right up against that one but
0: yeah <laughs> uh it's funny that's super funny well new new tech seattle has just gotten to be amazing right i mean how many how many people come to these events now uh so last month we just did one at uw
1: it's like our a- annual represents uh university of washington and what they do for the tech community yep. and i think we had like 700 people rsvp and maybe about 500 show up but on the average we have about 300 a month uh, show up at galvanize it's pretty it's pretty incredible just to see you know consistently for almost two and a half three years now the community continue. oh wait maybe even four years now the community continues to come out to these events. Wow time really flies sorry <laughs> I just can't believe it's two thousand and
0: sixteen. Where did my years go yeah that's that's wonderful well that's um, so you and that's you and Brett started that group together is that is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we, we started it uh, 2012 uh, as a as a you know partnership. We sat down. And we, he didn't actually give me a choice. If you if you recall Brett right now, I'd like to phone a friend. Uh, and Brett, when he uh, when we first approached me, he's like, "I don't care if you want to do this. I need to do this. We're going to do this." And he was like a month into Seattle at the time. He was super new. He actually came from Boulder, and where they had another new tech for New Tech Boulder. So he first thing he wanted to do, he was obsessed. He's like, if I'm going to be new to a city, I'll, first thing I want to do is I want to give to the city. So he actually didn't even give me a choice. He's like, you're going to do this with me. You don't have a choice.
0: And like two months later, we kicked it off. So, Well, that's, that's really great. So, um, and then when did you start the, the marijuana or cannabis um, meetup?
1: Uh, trying to think back. My short-term memory is always fading when it comes to that meetup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh i would say probably july i think it was july 2014 okay uh, We, uh, Cy uh si scott the founder or co-founder of leafly and okay. i were actually at a happy hour together and we talked about starting the meetup and i think it was like yeah two almost two years ago
2: so tell me about the meetup. How, how is it? I, I went to one of those uh, early on when you first started organizing, it. I wanted to see what it was about. I, I remember.
1: Mean, it, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so
2: how has it, how has it evolved since? And how's the, like, tell us about the, 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 um, the legal pot business in Seattle. And first, I guess, you know, how are things evolving? And then secondly, I'd like to hear about, you know, some of the tech and startup ideas that you're starting to see uh, come, come out of the, uh, you know, things that you're, you're seeing at the meetup
1: yeah yeah. so um you know, originally when we started, we were going to copy a very simple bottle that I do for all my events, right? you You have uh, networking to get people to communicate and meet up with each other, and at a certain point, you present just someone who's very innovative, someone that is in this space that can show off what they've done to make the canvas space better, right? So that's really the simplicity of it all. And then afterwards, you go back to networking. When we first kicked it off, it was really cool. Because everyone who would show up in the room, it, I had no clue who would show up, right? You'd have techies, you have people with cannabis, and then you'd have these guys who would show up who would not say who they were, other than, I'm from Amazon and Microsoft, could you just, like, take my cash and not tell anyone I'm here? So it was almost like a drug deal. It was like, what's going on? Like, people would actually sign up on meetups with fake names and not even putting the real pictures on there. So in the beginning, like, the first couple meetups, I was just trying to get a sense, like, what's going on here? And, uh... You know, every month we would just start over again, and it was incredible. The, the just amount of connections, people were finding jobs, um, people were emailing me, but the one kicker that really made this weird was after every single event, there was this back room that was, I'm pretty sure this is not legal, but everyone would pile in there, and it would just become a smoke cloud. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it, it broke every rule, but it became not only like, obviously it's like you, you have a community of people who are in cannabis, Not everyone in the room smoked, but for those that did, you'd always had this like VIP section that kind of started to form. And for like six months, it was just, it it just, we kept it quiet, but that was like a big thing. I think we're the only meetup in the world that actually like had marijuana as like a networking aspect of,
0: of the show, I guess. <laughs> so tell me about like what tell me about some of the tech like tell me tell me about some of the technology that's evolving in, in the cannabis space that you've kind of become a f- familiarized with um, as a result of being involved with, involved with this.
1: Yeah, I was about to say me telling two lawyers about smoking pot illegally. Uh, so you know I'll, I'll go shifting to yours to the technology. Yeah. Um, so a couple cool things that we've seen come out of there. Um, there there's for starters analytics companies right. So I'm seeing a lot of analytics around kind of what the open data is from the LCB. So, um, you know, the liquor and control board for cannabis essentially releases information um, for what the purchases are looking at, what the distribution looks like. And so a lot of times when you're trying to stay competitive as a store owner, you want to look to different insights to determine, you know, what other stores are selling, how much you're selling products for. So a lot of analytics companies are out there for that, and I'm also seeing like a lot of analytics companies popping up for actually analyzing the quality of cannabis as well. So you know, what's the flavor profile? What's the terpene levels? What's the percentage of uh, HTC, you know, <laughs> HTC, wow, uh, THC in, in the cannabis as well? So a lot of research uh, analytics companies have really started popping up. But then we also see a lot of consumer-facing products as well. So there was a guy who tried doing a delivery uh, I think it was called Canary in the beginning. Those two guys from UW didn't last long because legally you can't deliver pot, yeah, right? It's a you tough, have like tough obviously.
2: business. It's a tough, tough when your business model is contrary to the law. You're you got to wait for it to, <laughs> you know, you either have to like take a long time and wait for the law to catch up, or you just have to like assume that if you get successful, you'll you'll get too much attention and have to shut down.
1: Um, yeah, which which I mean, if you look at The Stranger, right, as a newspaper. They have services where you can just call up and get pot. It's completely advertised. It's completely illegal. But p- cops are not going to stop them. They have no way. Like, you literally can tweet for weed right now and have someone show up at your house. It's ridiculous. But uh, there's a lot of just gray area. But for the most part, the people presenting at our events are actually legal businesses. They're operating and they're able to scale. There's only been one historically that has been shut down, uh, and that was a open cannabis bar. Right, People who can smoke together right. in a... Yeah, that was the only business that's ever been stopped by the government, literally, like shut down. FBI folks showing up and saying you can't run this business, hmm. very often.
2: Is the cannabis business uh, evolving? I, I've seen a bunch of news about like uh, Snoop Dogg has his own line of cannabis products, and oh. and uh, I don't know Willie Nelson, maybe I, I can't remember exactly who is involved, but it seems like there's a lot of big names that are starting to kind of pile in and and. Um, you know, invest in the space and, and put out branded products. Is that is it becoming more mature? Are, are we seeing like uh, big, bigger players?
1: Well, for starters, Snoop Dogg has been in the industry since he was a baby. I mean, come on, like every video, everything he raps about, I mean, the guy's a hero for cannabis. He's, he's always been. Um, I don't think he's been new to the industry. But you're right, having a, a cannabis brand named after him—that was the beginning, right? You've ever heard of Snoop Dogg and Chem Like these are things that you know associate with. His reputation, but his his development of products and his investment in companies, I, I think that he was one of the first to really do that. Uh, Marley Lutz, the the Bob Marley found you know foundation, the family has also opened up a whole new line in partnership with an investor to create their own line of products. But I'm I'm still not seeing a lot of celebrities, right? Mm. Dave Matthews, God, there should be a Dave Matthews cannabis. He'd kill it every year at the Gorge. All he'd have to do is bring that, and you know, he'd he'd make a killing. Uh, that's uh, again, not me saying that, but a lot of people in the community will push forth things like that. Ashton Kutcher, you should get Ashton Kutcher. So like, there's a lot of jokes out there about celebrity branding, but, um, I just don't see uh, a lot of celebrity involvement yet. You know what I mean? You're just hearing the guys who've been smoking, you know, Joe, Joe Rogan and, um, Willie Nelson, of course, and some of the bigger players, you know what I mean?
2: Yep. That's interesting. Well, so, is it? I mean, one of the impressions that I've had, and, and people have generally, is that this is kind of like a greenfield opportunity, like the like when prohibition ended, uh, you know, like new, and completely new market that's untapped and tons of big opportunities. Um, is that is that tr- proving to be true, or is is it? I've also heard some t- from feedback from folks that. You know, people that are starting stores and starting like uh, processing facilities and stuff are finding it tougher than they expected. Maybe because the taxes are high, and it it, it maybe is a difficult business. So, uh, what what are you seeing out there?
1: Well, um, there's two sides to the business that really, or uh, I think a few sides to the business. Let me be honest. I mean, one side, my my family, for example, right? They invested in a store, right? My dad. It's crazy. You know, I was blown away. He never even told me until after he signed the deal. But they started a shop in, uh, you know, Western Washington. And for them to take that kind of risk, all you have to really judge based on is the success of others, like Uncle Ike's, right? You look at the numbers, I think it's like $4 million a week or a day or something like that. He's pulling in some mad cash. But if you take a look at some of the other shops that are in the middle of nowhere, so you have to kind of judge location. So it's a real estate question. It's like starting a restaurant. And and you have to decide on will the community be able to support this this restaurant? And in this case, it's a cannabis dispensary. So you know that's one part of it. You know you only have so much data, but um, the whole other side of it is it's not very expensive to kick these things off, right? It's it's a real estate play. It's a store. The license is the thing that's the killer. That's what really destroys these businesses. And in the beginning, you can apply for license for like five ten thousand dollars and you got one. But when they ran out. Suddenly there was a bid war in the back market where people with failing businesses, were just holding onto their licenses, trying to sell them for $300,000, 500000 So you've got licenses to grow a certain amount, tier one to tier three, as an example. Or you have a license to be able to actually produce and process. Or you have a license to be able to sell the product. These are all things that are required for you to operate in the space, and they are the limiting factor. And to, the cost of acquiring one is a very big one, which is a huge It's strange
2: that those are transferable in any in any real way. You know what I mean? Like if you apply to the government to get permission to have a license, it seems like mm-hmm. that should apply to the person that applied for it or the company. What are they doing? They're selling their
1: entire company out so that the company yeah. gets the license? Good question. So legally speaking, and I, I give a lot of uh, love back to Ashby Law Group. If you haven't heard of them, you know, it's a rising tides community, right? There's a lot of lawyers trying to get into the space. Josh basically wrote the book on law in cannabis and helped actually with legislation in Washington and Oregon. And he's one of the big supporters of the cannabis tech meetup group, as well as myself. So a lot of this information is based on what he's told me and I wanna give credit where it's due. But basically um, where Josh of, of Ashby Law Group really said was you find a lot of people instead of wanting to sell are trying to invite executives to be members, right? So for example, I wanna be an employee of uh, producer processor. I want to be part of uh, you know, AgriKush or any of these bigger companies, uh, Lazy Bee Gardens, whatever. You can't just get hired by them and have a W-2. It's not how it works. You actually have to be listed as a member of the company to be able to operate under that company. Hmm. So a lot of times these people who own the licenses are doing a license share. So basically they're licensing out their license <laughs> to uh, another group, and they're signing them on as members and executives and just doing an equity share. So most people are not selling it. They're stu- You'd be stupid to sell it. You would reduce the cost and instead become a part of the business. Hmm. So, you know, that's, that's a huge option. A lot of times also people who have a license are operating as a business, but people who don't want to sell their product. So what they'll do is they'll actually go to the bigger company and say, look, I want you to make me a member of your company, and then I'll give you profit share on everything I sell, just so that they can operate and sell their own product under another person's license. So there's a lot of this because of the limiting factor of how licenses work. It's stupid. There's a lot of this back channeling. People have to figure out how to get in using these just loopholes, essentially.
2: Interesting. Well, do you know what's happening with like? So, it, what's happening with the medical marijuana space? Is that going away? Uh, we, we've talked about it a long time ago. We had a um, we had a lawyer on that was that was in the space, and we talked about where things were going. But it's it's probably been a year since we've talked about it. Uh, is the yes. at the, at that time it seemed like the the impression was that. Uh, the city or the state was, was going to take some action at some point to basically just roll up medical and recreational into one thing. Do you,
1: have you heard anything it's, about that? Well, first of all, the puns are never endless, right? Roll up. Come on. Work <laughs> with me here. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's, it's gone. Uh, medical is going away. I, I think the, the way the city and the state refer to it and federally it's probably going to happen. There are going to be funds for medical research. There are going to be grants for medical research. There are going to be permissions for, you know, medical research uh, inclusion, like for like local campuses, UW or something to do it. But for purposes of purchase, recreationally, there is not going to be the option to have a card that can get you medical grade cannabis that is just going to disappear. Like they're, they're talking about options for maybe getting a discount. You know, if you have a medical grade cannabis card, then like, you're going to get almost like insurance. You're going to get better rates, maybe. But nothing like that is actually is actually approved or in play. Yeah, and who's so to, a lot to say
2: of- you don't even you don't need regulations to give somebody a discount either. You know what I mean? If if um well unless they wanted to are you saying they might discount the taxes so that they could I was gonna say a store can give a discount to anybody they want exactly. if they want to create a yeah, program. it'd, um, it'd be I tax guess, free. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Some kind of a separate tax structure for people that need it for medical purposes.
1: Yes. Um, that sounds yeah. about
2: right. Yeah, that's
0: interesting. Well, there's, there's, Reb. The difference. You just ma- mentioned something about the, like the medical grade cannabis. I mean, they are different. So you, there's a different quality associated with those dispensaries right now. Is that a fair but statement, or? It's, it's, it's a little, it's a little more jumbled than that. And when I say medical grade, the definition for
1: medical grade is that they actually have a different class system for how they identify the impact the cannabis will have on the medical condition that you have. Right. So when I, when I walk into a store, right now and I'll give you a good example. My great grandfather is 92 years old and he has trouble sleeping. So here I am going into a store and I'm like, look, my great grandfather wants this cannabis. Can you help us determine the right one for his condition? And you know what they say? Sorry, I can't help you with that. Legally, I'm not allowed to advise. So one of the rules of selling cannabis recreationally is you can't actually give medical advice. You are not allowed to actually state anything on record that is a medical advice because they don't want you to confuse this as a, as a potential liability for something that can solve a problem, because there's no evidence out there. So there's just a huge, literally, like, you can walk in any store and say, I have a headache, which one's the best? Even then, they might even say, sorry, I can't tell you medically I'm not allowed to. That's what, what the difference is for medical grade. For medical grade, they have definitions for each one. High CBD for, for, you know, an Afghan kush will actually have this kind of impact on you. Well, if you go for a lower CBD level but with its a higher indica and it also has a terpene profile of X, it's going to have that impact, right? So it's like a mixed-match chemistry lab where they can actually tell you what the impacts will be. Um, but the percentages of the actual THC count in the cannabis, and hopefully I'm not losing you here, it doesn't matter. You can get 30% THC uh, over-the-counter and 30% THC medical. You know, However much more powerful it's going to get medical, it's going to be in, in cannabis and
0: recreational as well. It's just going to cost more. Is yeah. that... Does that make no, sense? That, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So nationally, the trend is, I just saw, I mean, it seems like uh, pr- pretty frequently now we see other states. Uh, I just read, I forgot which state it was, just legal, legalized medical marijuana. It seems like we. it's just a continuing trend. Um, do, you, do you, I mean, what do you think the federal government's going to do? Do you have any predictions?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I think at some point they're going to have to secede. Right now, you know, federally, you've got people fighting to actually get uh, you know, medical permission for states to choose how they want to do it. So it's like a no longer federal federal requirements or federal, God, your lawyers, you know what I mean? Where federally it's not controlled. It's a state decision. But mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to recreational, it, it could be in the next, I say, 10 to 15 years. I know it sounds far off, but there's there still a lot of laws, right? You have 50 states that all have to agree to decide on what they're going to do for intrastate. So when I go from like Washington to, I don't know, Idaho or Washington to Oregon, there is so much interstate protection between purchasing in one state and coming back to another and the liabilities you carry when you're going from one place to another and how you can sell as a distributor. Can I own, for example, a license in Washington and have my product in Oregon? No, you have to have a license in another state as well. So there's there's a lot of separations that need to get figured out, but I think we're going in the right direction. I think the, the cluster of the Northwest You know, being that we have Washington, we have Oregon, and California is just about to happen. And then think about you know Colorado. That whole western corridor is looking pretty good right now. You know, so I think I think we're going to set some precedents in terms of how we travel interstate. I think we're going to get some federal approval to figure that out.
2: Well, it's it's nice to see. I mean, we've got a pretty good experiment going on here, and in Oregon and Colorado, to the point that like the rest of the country, if they're a little on the fence about whether this is going to be a problem. Can kind of sit back and watch what happens in our states and see if it's like you know going to cause huge social problems or if it basically is a non-issue. And um, from what from what it seems, it seems like it's been effectively a non-issue. I haven't heard anything about uh, DUIs going up or crime going up or any of the things that people might have might have been concerned about. I mean, from, from at least anecdotally, it doesn't seem like there's been any impact. Um, so maybe maybe that'll help you know help those those states on the fence. Like look at it and say, okay, well, like maybe we don't have to be as fearful about things like changing overnight on account of a, a change in the law.
1: Yeah, I, I I think that's right. Although I will caution you, um, cannabis is split into two when it comes to evangelists. You've got the people that really want recreational, and then you have the people that really believe in the healing powers of marijuana. And there is a lot that it can do for people with like PTSD. Right? There's a huge movement. You take a look at uh, magical butter. The guys have been funding the cannibal run, essentially going across the country, educating people about PTSD. You've got um, our group is representing another group that represents, you know, the healing, again, the healing factors for people that are suffering from, you know, coming back from, from war overseas. You've got a lot of other things like cancer, RSO, and its healing properties for maybe helping, uh, you know, subside or help uh, fight against the, the cancer cells. There's a lot of research that's still up in the air. And as a result of that, you're also having a lot of people who are really passionate about pushing for legislation around medical as well. So when you look at cannabis, you've got to really separate the two. There's two different categories and there's two different audiences. So when I say, like, you know, I'm talking about cannabis recreational, I might offend somebody on the medical side because they don't feel like it's not, get, it's not getting enough legislation. It's not getting enough attention. So I just want you to be sensitive to knowing that there's two sides, and how yeah. you present the story can really <laughs> it can really change the, a conversation. Right. That's for damn
2: right? So are most are the medical folks saying, "Hey, man, like stop trying to turn this into a recreational discussion. That's a tougher win. Like, why don't we just focus on the medical thing? Try to get that pushed out federally, um, because if we try to go straight for recreational, you're just going to find it's going to slow everything down for the people that really need the the, the medicine. Is that what? Yeah.
1: That's that's right. You have a very strong group of people that are very upset, even at the law that Washington put up. They're pissed off because they're losing their medical license. Now they now they have to pay twenty or thirty percent more. They can no longer afford cannabis. That's their that's their whole right, thing. Right, right. Because you know? a lot
2: of the reasoning on on like part of my thinking on on why I'm in favor of legalization in general is it's a great source of of tax revenue. I mean, it just seems like it solves it solves a lot of problems. But one of them is. You know, it's it's a great source of tax revenue that would otherwise be funneled into maybe you know black markets or folks that that we don't want to have that money. So um, yeah, I could see I could see why people that were saying, hey, the the purpose of this is not to raise money. The purpose of this is to help people that need help. Uh, yeah. I could see why they'd be pissed about a twenty or thirty percent tax. Um, hmm. So, so to take a step back, because I know you you know a lot about what's happening in the tech community. Could, do you have any like um good examples of, you mentioned Magical Butter, like they're they're a company in Seattle, right? They're making like a, don't they make a machine that like helps you extract, uh, extract THC into butter? Like tell me if about some, like some of the promising startups and people that you think are doing interesting stuff in the space in Seattle, like Leafly and, and, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard of some new stuff that maybe we we haven't heard about yet. Um, yeah, shining, shining beacons of light.
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's always tough to say, right? It's, it's an early industry, but I would take a set your sights on a couple companies. First of all, Headset. I got to give credit to Sai. He left Lethally with the co-founders and created a new company called Headset, um, and they essentially bring all the analytical data about purchasing and distribution and uh, point of sale and give it to uh, these rec shop owners. Hmm. So if you're an owner, you can figure out what cannabis you should be ordering at, what quantity and how it's selling. They, they have a whole solution for that. It's incredible. And their their ability to just create great visuals and just make it easy to use for owners, I think that product looks very promising. Um, also, you know, there's a company called Kush Tourism, Kush Guide. If you've ever been in the market or you go to some of these motels or hotels, you'll see a map, a physical map of all the local places you can check out for that are cannabis related. That's a friend of mine. He started the company. He's fantastic. Him and his uh, his crew essentially have not only created these physical maps, but they have a digital platform as well where you can go on your phone, you can download the Kush Guide app, and you can essentially tour Seattle's cannabis offerings. And they are, they offer tours as well. So he's smart because he split his business into print. He's got a digital application, and he also has just more of an experiential part of his business where if you guys want to do a tour, I would highly recommend Kush Guide as well. Uh, Kush Tourism. Uh, really good group of guys. Uh, but they're they're raising Fundy like everybody else, right? They They have... The ability to go out and ask, you know, angel investors for money, just the same way as headsets went out and raised around for money as well. So these are tech companies. They're startups. You know, what's, some of them- What's
2: interesting up- about those companies, and, and you'll see this, like, like, so this was some of the advice we had last time we talked about, um, you know, the market for, for marijuana-based startups is that you've got folks that are that are involved in actually touching the, the plant and, and. You know, possibly running afoul of federal regulations, but there's a whole bunch of people that can have great startups, like folks that do analytics software, folks that that do um, you know machines that turn uh, that help extract uh, extract the drug. You know, those folks aren't selling anything that's uh, that's illegal, so they can have a bank account, I assume, and raise money from people outside the state, right? So all all of a sudden, a lot of the problems that you'd ha- you'd see with ha- with um, if you wanted to open a shop or like or grow yes. go away. Yes.
1: no. Because you have to, there's some, there, there's a, there's sides to that, right? So yes, there's a lot of ancillary products, right? It's like the, it's like the gold rush back in the Yukon area, right? You had a bunch of people building ancillary businesses for the picks and axes. You got the same thing here. There's the green rush. And then you've got your ancillary products, like the extraction units, you know, the battery chargers for vaporizers, the bongs, the vaporizers themselves, et cetera. The challenge that they have is that a lot of times these guys are licensing products from major companies that actually have restrictions on how they can be used. So a lot of times, I'll give you a good example, a cannery. I wanted to start a cannabis company where I can can products. You know what the Coca-Cola's cannery provider said? Sorry, we can't give you aluminum. We're the biggest provider of, can, uh, provider of cans, but we can't give you aluminum because it's in our contract that we can't provide anyone you know cannabis-related products or anyone with alcohol or tobacco-related products. Hmm. Then you call another cannery and like, sorry, we have a deal with you know seven and up and The 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 list goes on, so there's a lot of requirements for for bigger companies where you're licensing tools and technology from them, but it's part of their requirement that they actually can't give it to you because you're in the cannabis industry. Hmm. Um, There are some rules and regulations around who you're collecting money from. So yes, you might have an ancillary product, but a lot of times these ancillary products are associated with weed in such a way where a lot of times they're actually under restrictions as well because they're collecting money directly from um, you know the cannabis companies and their packaging it with it so there's some gray area but you know for the most part (laughs) the whole industry is in the gray area it's still the wild west like overnight a rule can change and it'll literally either improve the quality of the marketplace or destroy it so probably not the latter though these folks are pretty resilient and find ways to make things work
2: yeah well we should probably wrap up i guess one one thing to take away from this is like there's a stigma associated with with marijuana that you think that people that smoke marijuana are really uh lazy and don't don't get much done, but if you if you know Red, like Red is kind of the opposite of that. So it's sort of an interesting data point on marijuana use is that you know you've got somebody who's who's active in the community, but I've I've never seen someone with more energy and more enthusiasm for startups and um, you know this t- type of stuff than Red. So I, I don't know. It's, you're you're a good uh, you're a good you're a good data point <laughs> for the for the
1: use of well, cannabis. But, uh... Let me give you a disclaimer, though. Number one, I am trying to get my life insurance policy. I actually haven't had weed in like months. It's insane. Um, I I literally, I'm saying this openly. I I love cannabis. I can't wait to start smoking again. But for for life insurance policies, you can't actually smoke weed and get a good rate. So it's stupid. So I'm publicly saying this. I am not smoking weed. I can sign a piece of paper that says that. But I can't wait to start again. Two, um, I know some of the most incredible founders of the biggest companies in Seattle that smoke weed. They, it's, not, it's not smoking pot. You're not an alcoholic right? when you, when you drink you know, a, a scotch. So you're not a pothead when you smoke weed. It's just a recreational thing that's available to you. And some of the smartest people, most incredible people I know in the tech community in Seattle, you'd be surprised. They all try it. And you know what, it's now at the point where your mom and your dad are trying it. So God knows who's not trying it is the question. Who's not accepting that this is just another option that could be just as good or as harmful for your body as alcohol. So I would say it's probably not as harmful for your body as alcohol is. That's a longer conversation for another story, another yeah. time, though.
2: Well, we should have you back on sometime to uh, recap, you know, to see where things are in six months or something like that. But uh, thanks for being on the show. It was a really, really great conversation. And, um, yeah, really, really thanks for, thanks for being on. And uh, everybody else, thanks for listening. We'll, we'll see you next week.